All right. Tonight we're going to talk about heaven on earth. We're talking about heaven come down to earth. And uh, I want you to, we're going to read, Jesus told me and you to pray something. He said, I want you to pray and I want you to ask me to do something. I can't imagine a good father that we just sang about saying, ask me to do this for you and him saying, no, I'm not going to do it. I think if he tells me to ask him for something, I think he means to do it. I think that's why he told me to ask him. Now, I want you to look with me at the primary prayer of all the prayers you pray. This should be the number one thing you pray. And Jesus made it very clear. He said, when you pray, Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, verse nine says, in this manner, therefore pray. Let me put it, let me read it from another uh, translation. When you pray, say this to me. When you pray, say this to me. And dear ones, here's the number one thing every believer ought to be praying for. He said, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven, praise your name. And here's what we're to ask for. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Listen to what he says, as it is in heaven. Tell me what the number one thing I should be praying for. I should be praying for what to come down, the kingdom of God. Now listen, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing. Both those terms are used in the New Testament. The number one thing I need to pray for is for the kingdom of God or the kingdom earth of, of uh, heaven to come to this earth. But how am I supposed to pray that it come? Let it be done on this earth the way it's being done in heaven. I want us to pray that you'll do, I want you to do on the earth for me what's going on in heaven right now. Is that not what he said to pray? Thy kingdom come, come down to, you do it. Hey, listen, I'm not praying to do something. I'm asking him to do something. He told me to ask him to do something for me, for my family, for this church, for this city. I want you to pray and ask that my kingdom will come. Now, here's the message of Jesus. The first time ever spoken in New Testament, here's the message. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The message of Jesus is good news. Billy Graham's a saying for the Billy Graham organization, always good news. And Jesus brings good news. Well, here's the good news. There's a place called heaven and you can go there when your body expires or when you die. That's good news because I didn't want to go to the other place. And I didn't want to go to just nothing. I didn't want to just exterminate. Praise God that when this short life is over, there's a place called heaven. Okay, don't, don't, don't shout me down now. What about heaven before you die? What about heaven before you die? Did he not say for me to ask him, do down here what you're doing in heaven now? Thy kingdom come on this earth the same way it's what's going on in heaven. Do it down here. Is that not what he told me to ask? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. How about before you die? I want you to turn me a page or two to the right. Let me show you something. Matthew chapter 10. I'm having to know what preaching is. Preaching Now preaching is not when you get beat up bad and you feel bad about yourself. That's not preaching. That's stupidity. Preaching is, is to just proclaim. It means to share, share out, speak out, proclaim. I'm mean, having to believe somebody should preach. All right, here's why I would do it. Matthew chapter 10, verse seven says this. As you go, preach. What did Jesus tell me to do? Preach. And that's not just for preachers. That's everybody. He said, I, I want you to go preach. All right, dear Lord Jesus, what you mean to tell them? If you want me to preach, tell me what you want to tell them. Say the rest of it. Read the rest of it. As you go preach saying, here's what I want you to say to them. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What am I supposed to be preaching? What am I supposed to be telling y'all? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that hand mean? It's available right now. 
you could take it with, it literally means you could take it with your hand. You could reach out and lay hold of heaven right now. He said, I want you to go tell the people, don't tell them they're in trouble. Don't beat them up because of their sins. Go tell them heaven is available right now. Go preach, son, and say, to, say this to them. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is available to them right now. At hand means available right now. So that's the message that we preach. Now, two questions. This thing called heaven, is it a geographical, literal place? Y'all know the answer to that. Is heaven a real place? It is a geographical, real place. If you want to look it up, Ephesians chapter one, verse 10 says, God's family, part who are in heaven and part who are still on the earth. So it's a literal place. Second Peter chapter three, verse 13 says this. We look for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So there's a literal heaven. It's a real place. But what is heaven on earth? It's not when that earth comes to here. What, what is this kingdom of heaven on the earth? I'm going to define it so simply. It is the activity of God in the earth by his spirit. The kingdom of heaven is when God works in the earth. Now, now listen, I always have to do this. It's not religion. I'm not knocking religion. Religion's good. Religion feeds hungry people. They build habitat houses. That's a good thing. But religion can be the activity of people doing good things for people in the name of God. And that's fine. We do that here. We do that in this church. But that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God working by his spirit. It's when God's doing things. It is the activity of God in the earth by his spirit on earth as it is in heaven. Dear ones, God is working in this earth. John chapter five, verse 20, Jesus said this, my father's working right now. And the Bible said, God will be working till the day he gets back, till the day Jesus comes back. The question is, is he working in me? Is he working in this house? Is he working in this city? Well, what's our number one prayer supposed to be? You do something. You come work in my life. You, you come bring this thing called heaven down to me. It's the activity of heaven. Now, what was the number one message Jesus preached when he walked on the earth? And he spoke to them concerning the things about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. 54 times, 54 times just in the book of Matthew, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And he said, the kingdom of God's available. It's here. It's, the, it's what Jesus spoke about. It's what he, and what he's, and listen, Jesus not only did that, Jesus demonstrated the kingdom come on the earth. Jesus brought the kingdom to this earth. He showed us what God life on this earth is supposed to look like. He brought the kingdom. He showed it to us. And listen, I don't care if you don't believe in Jesus. You cannot read that man's life in the four gospels and say, there's something wrong with that. You, even if you don't want to follow him, you got to read that and say, that's good right there. What that man did was good and how he helped people and the things he brought in the earth, that's good right there. But when you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at the kingdom of God come on earth when he walked in the gospels. So that's what the kingdom of God is. And it's just, just defined. Now tonight I want to take a minute. I'm going to define the kingdom of God in 10 words from scripture. And I, I want you to, I want you to, when you get done, I want you to say, so that's what it is. And that's what God will do for me on this earth. Or I want you to say, I'm not there yet, but I can see, I see where I can have it. Or I got some of it, but I ain't got all of it. Ain't's a good preaching word. I ain't got all of it, but he told me to pray for it. I want, listen, I want all of it. I want the kingdom of God to come in my life. I ache for the kingdom of God to come in your life. I long for it to come in this city. We just sang a song about believing. When did the church stop believing God for greater things? 
I long for greater things. And he's stirring me up to preach about the kingdom and believe more for his kingdom. And uh, let, me, let me say it again. Dear ones, God does this by his spirit. I don't do it. I receive it. I pray for him to do it. I want you to listen. This is going to be the primary two verses we're going to look at through this time. I'll just quote them to you because we're going to look at them later in a minute. Jesus said this. All the kingdom, all the people of this world seek different stuff, money, fame, pleasure, whatever. But listen to what he said in Luke 12, 31 to me and you. After all these things, the Gentiles seek, but you seek ye first the kingdom of God. What's the number one thing I should be seeking in my life? Kingdom of God. And if you saw it, you would. Listen to verse 32. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Nothing brings our heavenly father more delight than to give you the kingdom of God on the earth. Not when you get to heaven, now. And so I want to look at it according to scripture and what it is. I'm going to say it over and over. This is by his spirit. I'm going to tell you 10 things that'll happen in my life if his kingdom comes in me, in the people around me and in my church. And his kingdom needs to come in this city. I don't understand why believers are so upset about what's going on in our nation right now. Did you think humans could fix this mess? How about thy kingdom come? Thy will be done in this nation. He's full well able. Well, don't expect the Republicans or the Democrats to bring it. He didn't tell them to pray this. Who did he tell to pray this? If my people pray this and let's expect it, believe it to come. Where's the kingdom? Always have to start first though. Before it comes in my land or my city or my church, where's it got to come to? It's got to come right here. Jesus said, freely you've received, now freely give, and then you can do it. All right, 10 words to describe the kingdom of God. If God's spirit comes to you and brings the kingdom in your life, the first, and this is always the first thing that happens, it's going to result in perfect love. Perfect love, since that's what he is. Here's the verses that, that show you what this is. Romans 5, 5. The love of God is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what'll happen. Most people in this room would say, I know God loves me. But if I watched you, you don't live it and experience it at heart level. Notice when the kingdom of God comes, God's spirit comes to you. And something happens in here. He touches you and it softens your heart and you feel the love of God in your heart and you experience it. And uh, this is, here's the verse that, that gives us the picture of this. Rome, 1 John 4, 16 says this. We have experienced and believed the love that God has for us. Students, it's one thing to hear it with your ear. When I say it, it's another thing for God to come touch your heart and you go, I've experienced it now. And uh, here's how you know that you've experienced the love of God. Three things will happen. Number one, you will feel like God loves you more than anybody else on this earth. Now, he, you're his favorite, but everybody's his favorite. But you'll just know God loves me. And then after, if you experience the, this perfect love by his spirit, after you experience the love of God and you start loving him, what's the next thing you're going to do? Then you will. Did you say love your neighbor? Everybody gets it wrong every time. Every time everybody gets this wrong. That's not the second thing. The second thing is you're going to start loving yourself. You're going to start loving yourself. Most people I know are their own worst enemies. Most people I know would never talk about somebody else the way they talk about themselves. Most people I know live under condemnation and beat themselves up. You know why? They have not experienced and known the love that God has for them by the Holy Spirit. You can quote the verses all day long, but till it touches your heart, you haven't experienced it. Some people say, well, you should love your neighbor. What did Jesus say about that? 
You love the Lord your God passionately because he's touched you. And then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Can you love your neighbor? you love yourself according to that verse? Do you know why people don't love each other? According to that verse, they don't care much for themselves. Then when you can't love your neighbor till you love yourself, how can you love your neighbor as you love yourself if you don't even like yourself? So we got a bunch of people that get beat up religiously and they're trying to love. You're not supposed to try to love. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You think people hating on each other in heaven? How many of you think they're hating each other in heaven? Well, thy will be done on earth what's being done in heaven. I bet you they're loving each other there. I know for a fact they love themselves up there. You know, I'm not talking about a selfish, arrogant, self-centered, I'm the center of the universe. I'm talking about, I have gotten off my back and God has died for me and God created me and I appreciate what he's done here. And I am fearfully and wonderfully made and I can relax because I'm forgiven and I'm accepted. And Bill Gaither wrote an old song like this. I am loved, I am loved, I can risk loving you because the one who loves me most, knows me best, loves me most. Then when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you you're just gonna, you're gonna experience the love of God and you're gonna start caring about yourself the way we want you to. And then the easiest thing in all the world is to love your enemies. It's the easiest thing in all the world to love people. As a matter of fact, you'll surprise yourself at how much you like people. You will, and you'll just go, this ain't me. No, 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 you're supposed to pray for him to do this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then when the kingdom of God comes, we used to sing an old song in the Baptist church, makes you want to love everybody. Believe it or not, there was a verse that said, makes the Baptist love the Methodist. Is that true? It's in there. I think it's the fourth verse. Out of six verses, makes the heck, Baptist don't even like the Baptist anymore. So you know we need dead poured out. But it was, it's when the Spirit of God comes and just touches your heart, and there's the, your heart just, I will take the hard heart out of you, even toward you. And I'll put a tender heart in you. And your heart will just melt with the love of God, and you'll begin to, you'll love yourself, and, and it becomes so easy to love people. What is the only identifying mark of a follower of Jesus? By this, they'll know you're my disciples when they see how much you love people. But listen to me. If you ever use the word try, you're not in the kingdom. That's not the kingdom. That's human flesh. And it's cursed. The love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's given to us. He comes to us. He does it. And listen to me. Fun. Son, this is so much fun when God just baptizes you with his love. When you begin to just experience the love of God, let me tell you what's happened. The kingdom has come in your life. His will is being done in you. The same way it's being done in heaven. And he's answered your prayer. Number two, we're going to take all the time we need on this. God is pure joy. God is pure joy. And when the kingdom comes, there's going to be pure joy in your life. Say, Brother Brian, nobody can have joy with what's going on in the earth right now. Let, Let me correct you. With what's going on in the earth right now, you cannot afford not to have the joy of Jesus in you. Do you, ever, you know what the kingdom of God is? It's just joy. Why don't you turn to Romans chapter 14. This is one of the foundational verses in the Bible about the kingdom. And the Bible is a book about the kingdom coming in the earth. Now there was one day, the full-blown total kingdom of God is gonna come back to this earth. And the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But right now it only comes where it's welcomed in people's lives and in communities, circles of people. Romans 14, 17. You ever heard of the kingdom of God? Read this with me. 
The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and what? Joy. And who brings it? What does it say? The Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, there's just a joy that flows from the upside out. Jesus said to the uh, woman at the well who was the town pass around, he said this, you keep drinking this water, you'll thirst again. Wild hell raising and sex can never satisfy the hole in your soul. It can never satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. But listen to what he said. If you'll drink the water I give you, it'll become an artesian well inside of you springing up to everlasting life. You'll never thirst again. You'll find what your heart's looking for in the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about the Spirit of God being inside of there. That, listen, you can't be around God and not have joy. Guess why? Look this up sometimes. Psalm 1611. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Wherever God is, there's joy. And uh, let me tell you why this joy thing is so important. You collapse without it. That's why the book of Nehemiah says this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And when he puts his joy in your life, you can just mount up with wings like a beagle. That's eagle. Run and not be weary, walk and not faint. But it's the joy of the Lord that brings that strength. This is how the Holy Spirit is speaking to me so much these days about you measure my people by their joy. I could take you all through the scriptures and show you that. And when David got separated from God, he got way away from God. He was still God's child, but what did he lose? What was his prayer? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I'm still your child, but I'm not, the joy is gone. Please bring back the joy that I had in you at, at one time. It's just spirit joy. There should just be a Holy Spirit joy inside of God's people. And it's not because you got a raise or you're going on vacation. Those things are good. But we're not supposed to rejoice in raises or vacation or sunshiny days as much as I love them. Tell me what our joy should be in. Rejoice in the Lord. Let me tell you why it should be in the Lord. Because that's always, I'm not always on vacation. I don't always get raises, but Jesus is always. Number three, there should be a divine peace that'll come over your life when the kingdom comes. And uh, let me tell you what, well, let's just look at it. Let me show you what this piece is like. John chapter 14 is where Jesus gave you one of the, now listen, listen to me carefully, listen to me carefully. Jesus died on a cross to give you eternal life. You believe that? Well, he died on that cross to give you a whole lot more than that. How many people have settled for just eternal life? I need abundant life. How many believers do I know? They're children of God, but they've not laid hold of everything Jesus died to give them. Let me show you one of the greatest gifts, especially in this day. And this is one of the gifts Jesus gave you. It's in John chapter 14. What a gift this is. Verse 27. Now, right here's where he's telling them, I'm fixing to go back to the Father. I'm fixing to leave you. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. So what he said, this is not the world's peace where when everything's hunky-dory, we're happy. And then watch what he said. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. If you had the peace of God, you would never be troubled. You would never be afraid. What's troubled? Worried, upset, anxious. Anybody nervous about what's going on in the nation? What did I say right there? It was the peace of God is so powerful. Now listen, this is not positive thinking. This is the Holy Spirit of God. 
and he comes to you and you, you just, you don't have a care in this world. You don't worry. You're not afraid. How powerful would that be for people today? Do you, let me tell you where this came from. Isaiah 53 says this. Jesus, by the way, Jesus was crucified for my salvation. He died on a cross to take my sins away and make me a child of God for eternity. But Jesus not only was crucified, right before he was crucified, he was tied to the whipping post and whipped. It's called chastisement. He was chastised. And the governor said, I will chastise him and turn him loose. And he, even under Roman law, as cruel as them people were, it was illegal to whip a man, chastise him and crucify him. Why did Jesus get both? Jesus wasn't tied to the whipping post for my salvation. Jesus would tie, I mean, Jesus would die on the cross for my salvation. Why was he tied to the whipping post? What does Isaiah 53 say? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. If Jesus had died for my sins, I could be forgiven and be a child of God and go to heaven. But he went, he chose to go to the whipping post so that he could give me more than salvation. He could give me his peace in this life. That man got hit 39 times on his back so I could never worry about anything. So I could enjoy his peace. Notice when the kingdom comes, there's peace. Let me give, how many of you believe Jesus demonstrated the kingdom when he was on the earth? I already told you it did. Answer that's yes. All right. Do you remember in, no, I'll just pick one. You remember Mark chapter four when he got his disciples in a boat and there was a terrible storm came down on them and there were 13 people in that boat and 12 said, we're gonna die. Where was Jesus in that storm? Does anybody remember? Where was he at? He was asleep. You know what that's called? Peace. That's peace. I mean the most hellacious storm all around you and you just roll over and say, I go back to sleep. How valuable would that be to you? Wouldn't it be great if God would bring his peace into my life? Friend, the Holy Spirit is peace. And this is, listen, when that peace comes in my life, that the kingdom is coming. It's starting to grow. A little bit more. Number four, the kingdom Jesus demonstrated is freedom. Let me make an announcement. Second Corinthians 3, 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we need freedom in this land today. We need freedom in our hearts. And there are two sides to the freedom of the kingdom of God. Listen, our God is a liberator. I've heard people say, I don't want that religious bondage on me. I don't neither. And I ain't taking it. You have never been freer than when the spirit of God comes in your life. And there's two freedoms that come with us. No more freedom from the outside, freedom from the inside. You'd be surprised at the demonic junk that hangs on even God's people. If you've been taught that demons can't affect Christians, you heard one tell you that. God have mercy. Why would we believe something so stupid? Surely you don't think that a Christian who struggles with pornography and lust day and night, that ain't the Holy Ghost. He's holy. That's a demonic presence. Don't beat yourself up over it. Let the kingdom come and be free. I can't get amen out of that. Dear ones, we need to be set free. Let's, let's get, that was nasty. Let's get into a local one. Bitterness. How many people are just full of bitterness and it sucks the life? You said, I was hurt. No, you weren't. You're bitter. Bitterness is demonic bondage according to Matthew chapter 18. Why don't you let Jesus set you free? As my buddy at the BP station at the Arrowhead says, bitterness is drinking poison hoping it'll hurt somebody else. By the way, that's dumb. We can be free from outside influences, confusion of the mind, 
But let me tell you something else. The Spirit of the Lord sets me free from me. And while I need to be set free from demonic activity, I need to be continually set free from the garbage of my enemy, but I need to be free from me. And the Bible talks in Philippians 3, Paul said, and I tell you now weeping, even believers whose gods are their appetites. And we don't need to be in bondage to our appetites, any kind of appetite, whether it's the love of money, sex, food, cigarettes, it don't matter. We just need to be free. Well, I'm going to tell you something. So I'm going to quote it again. Second Corinthians 3, 17. When the kingdom comes, you're free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, just where the spirit of God comes, it's like chains just fall off and the junk just falls off and you're free. You know why? Because he whom the sun sets free, I knew you'd know that one. It's free indeed. Freedom. Listen, the, when you think kingdom of God, think freedom. Because wherever the Lord is, there's freedom. Number five, see if we couldn't use this in the land today. When the kingdom comes, there's going to be unity. The kingdom of God is unity between people. And one of the things that Jesus brought was unity into this earth. Let me tell you something. God Almighty knits people's hearts together. That's Colossians chapter two, verse two. I prayed for you that God would encourage your heart. By the way, encouragement is the kingdom. That he would encourage your hearts and knit your hearts together with each other. I want you to listen to how we ought to be toward each other in the family of God. This is Philippians one, uh, that whole intersection there. Philippians one, I think is verse six. God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus in my heart. God put something in your heart. Just make you just knit you to people where you're closer than brothers. And uh, that's why the Bible said love like brothers. I want you to listen to the great prayer of Jesus. Now, a lot of people call this prayer that I quoted the Lord's prayer. This is not the Lord's prayer. This prayer has the confession of sin in it. Do you think Jesus needed to confess his sins? This is the model prayer for you and me. The Lord's prayer is John 17, where Jesus prayed. I want you to listen to what he prayed right before he left the earth. Let the glory that I have be with them that they might be one. Let your spirit come to them and knit their hearts together so they can be one in this earth. Any division in the earth you know of today, any not getting along going on anywhere you know of today, that's not the kingdom of God. Then the kingdom of God is Psalm 133. Listen to this. How wonderful when brethren dwell together in unity is where the Lord pours his Holy Spirit out. And man, when the spirit of God comes, you just get along with people and enjoy people, enjoy being around them. And uh, wherever you see unity, the kingdom's coming. I'm gonna ask you a question. You think they're mad at each other in heaven? You think they're gossiping and stabbing each other in the back in heaven? You think there's anybody in heaven not talking to each other? You think he's saying, Lord, keep him on that side. I'll stay on this side. You think people walk into a restaurant in heaven and see somebody walk out? Do you think they go down to grocery store aisles in heaven and see somebody duck behind a bread counter? Can I ask you a question? Is there unity in heaven? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth like it's being done in heaven. Right here. If he didn't say he could do it, why did he ask me to pray it? God don't waste words. If he told me to pray, that kingdom come here, he can do it. And we need to believe it. Unity. Number six, prosperity. I'm a prosperity gospel preacher. I'm, I plead guilty. Beloved, I wish that you would prosper in all things. This is 3 John 2. Prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. God wants you to do good at everything you do. The first thing he ever said to humanity was be fruitful, be successful, prosper. 
Joshua 1.8. Get this book in your mouth and you'll make your way prosperous everywhere you go. Psalm 1, you'll be prosperous in everything you do. How many of you want your kids to do well? Is this hard? Why would you think that a father wants us to just fail and flounder around and struggle? Where the kingdom comes, there's success. And listen to what the Bible says, everything you put your hand to. So when you see things going well, whether it's a business, a family, homework, school, God's in that. Number seven, health. I apologize for not teaching you what this book says about health. Ain't nobody sick in heaven. I may think there's somebody sick in heaven. I may think it's the will of God for people to be sick in heaven for eternity. Thy will be done on earth like it's being done in heaven. Jesus is the will of God. Jesus came to this earth to reveal the Father. Listen to what the Bible said about Jesus. He healed them all. Then was God hates sick. Do you hate sickness? Why would you think he likes it? I better never hear a preacher say from this pulpit, God puts sickness on people. You can't show me that anywhere in scripture. Well, God gave you cancer to teach you something. The devil gives cancer. God don't give cancer. Now, let me tell you, we get in trouble. People say, well, how come? Stop right there. I don't live out of my intellectualism. I don't live out of anybody's experience. I'm gonna live out of this book. And this book's very clear on this issue. We've let this get away from us in the church today. And we need to get back to this book that our God is a God of health and in the kingdom is, and I'm talking about not just healing, but divine health too. Uh, we need to let him do that. Number eight, I'm gonna throw this in because this is something's really been bothering me for the last few months. The kingdom of God is pure gladness. That kingdom, it's just gladness. It's eternal gladness. And I, I just, for the life of me, I don't understand what happened to the gladness in the church. It was here 40 years ago. 50 years ago, there was such gladness in the house of God. And I don't know what's happened to the gladness. You'd be surprised what the Bible says. When the Holy Spirit came, where did he come in the book of Acts? Where did he came? What chapter is it? Acts chapter two. You got it. It came in Acts chapter two. What does the Bible say? They continued the apostles' doctrine. They prayed together and they broke their bread together with gladness and simplicity of heart. Every place the Holy Ghost comes, there's gladness. Now we got some situations in the country now where people have been having these uh, laughter revivals and stuff. And man, the theologue's been looking down their nose at that. Well, I don't know about everything, but I know this. If I got to choose between somebody being mad and frumpy and somebody being glad, I'm choosing glad every time. Uh, let's, uh, let's just, can we just agree we ought to go back to the Bible? Acts chapter 13, verse 52. And the whole church was filled with the Holy Spirit and gladness. Then wherever the Holy Spirit is, he makes people glad. I, I love Psalm 417, 4-7. I quote it a lot. The Bible says this. I just pray it to him. You have made me glad more than in the season when their wine and oil increases. God's made me gladder than somebody gets a raise. God, God listen, I love that. Listen with this. You have peeled off my sad clothes and decorated me in glad clothes and taken away my mourning and given me dancing to the end that my soul might praise you forever. God makes people glad. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. You, I don't like gladness. Well, what are you doing here tonight? <laughs> Thy kingdom come. Oh my goodness. Let me give you two more real quick and th listen to this one. Perhaps you've never thought about this. Adventure. When you think of adventure, you sure don't think of church. You think about trying to stay awake through the thing. I've had people, I've, I've talked to them about Jesus. So I, I got too much living to do to follow Jesus. You're nuts. You're mistaking Jesus with religion. 
Friend, the kingdom of God is pure adventure. Can I appeal to you? Can I appeal to you? Have you ever read the Bible? How about these people in the Bible? Did they just sit around and watch the, watch the fan spin? Did Moses live a life of adventure? David, Abraham, Simon, Paul, the people in the Bible. When you fall, when the kingdom comes, your life is just an adventure. I mean, it's just like, hang on. Now religion will bore you to tears. You'll die of atrophy, but the kingdom is pure adventure. How many Christians are living no adventure? That's sad. Listen to Ephesians 2.10. We are the work of God's hand. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should live them out. He's got a full life plan for you. How could he who created the sunset be dull? How could the one who created the beauty of nature be dull? Then as you ever start, listen, you follow religion, you will die of diabetes or boredom because you're either going to eat like a pig or sit around and do nothing. I'm talking about preachers. <laughs> but you follow Jesus, you'll be on a wild train ride the whole time. It's just wild. You know, what, you know what fun is? Casting out demons is fun. It's just fun. Okay, we'll talk about that later, but it's just fun. Adventure. Let me tell you, that we need to pray the prayer of Caleb. Just this, the spirit of God inside of you. Here's the prayer Caleb prayed, and I'm gonna change it a little bit. Caleb said this, give me a vision. Give me vigor. Give me victory. All through the Bible, all through the Bible, put something in my heart wild that only you can do. Give me the strength to see you do it. And let me see it come to pass in this life. Our life ought to just be crazy. That's kingdom life. We're missing that in this land today. And then let me throw in the last one. The kingdom of God is encouragement and hope. Our God is pure hope. Wherever he is, people are just expecting something great to happen. And uh, Romans 15, 13 says this, the God of hope will fill you and you'll, about, you'll, you'll, just, be, you'll just be bubbling looking forward to tomorrow. And what it, you'll just live. God's going to do something. God's going to do something. I just know he is. God's going to do something great. Well, that's the spirit of God bringing that into his life. I, I want you to look with me at a verse and let me show you how far we've moved from the New Testament gospel of Jesus Christ in our church. Mark chapter nine. This is just one of them. But I want you to look with me in Mark chapter nine. Dear ones, we need to go back to New Testament believing. We need to get back to the kingdom of God. And we got to get back to what he says. Don't you look me in Mark chapter nine. And by the way, you need to memorize this verse and you need to speak it out loud and you need to just let it roll. Let me tell you what meditate is. It's when you chew on it and meditate on it and it rolls around in your spirit like a marble in a shoebox. And it just gets down in there and it just it gets all over you over time. Mark chapter nine. Verse 23 says this, Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Why have we quit believing in the New Testament church? Why have we quit expecting God to do great big things? Why are we singing just a few more weary days and I'll fly away? Why are we believing God to do great things? It is no secret what he can do. And we need to, we need to, we just need to get so crazy with our believing that people laugh when we tell them. Let me tell you how big our faith is. I'm hoping God will help me pay my power bill. I could always sell my truck and pay it. God, had, that Jesus died for that level of faith. Come on, guys. You know what we need to be doing? 
We need to be believing him for miracles that would knock your socks off. We have got to get back to believing in the New Testament church. The intellectualism has killed our faith. And we need to get back to it. Now, listen, Jesus declared the kingdom of God and he demonstrated it. Everything I've told you, did he not do it? Did Jesus not love like nobody ever loved? What was the main thing the religious people were mad at him for? Why are you loving them sluts? Why do you love those crooks? Why do you care about these nasty people so much? Is that, did he not demonstrate the kingdom of God? Did he demonstrate the joy? Every place he went, a riot broke out. And they were praising him and celebrating. The preachers got mad and said, tell him to be quiet. He said, you want the rocks to sing? If these quit singing, the rocks will start singing. I wish he'd have made them quit just to hear it. Every place Jesus went, they just celebrated. Did he not demonstrate peace? Storms in people's lives, he just, he, he didn't just talk it, he lived it. And he brought it into people's lives. Did he set people free? Did he break the demonic bondage over people's lives? He came and showed you what me and you supposed to be doing. He didn't do that because he was God. He did that because he was a man in right relationship with God. He laid aside his earthly, his heavenly privileges. He walked like a man in the Holy Spirit, like me and you could. A little more on that later. But Jesus practiced this. Now, I want to take just a minute here. That's the king. By the way, when you're praying, thy kingdom come, you're asking him to do everything I just told you. And you saw it in the word. You're asking him to do that inside of you by his spirit. All right, now let me tell you something. Here's the absence of the kingdom of God in life. Here it is. The absence of the kingdom of God. If his kingdom doesn't come, here's what we're left with. Rejection. Three-way rejection. What did the disciples say in the storm? Do you not care about us? What did Martha say when she's busy? Lord, do you not care about me? How many people think God doesn't care about them? You know why the only way you could believe God doesn't care about you is because the kingdom hadn't come in your heart yet and his love hadn't been poured out. You'll, you'll never cause me to doubt that his eyes on me right now. It was this rejection. And listen, if I don't feel like God loves me, then I'm gonna reject myself and I'm gonna think I'm a worthless piece of crap. And then I'm not gonna be able to love anybody else. Welcome to America. And we're gonna fight and squabble. That's why we need the kingdom of come. And uh, number two, it's heaviness and misery. The absence of, by the way, how many of you think that darkness has a kingdom? Jesus spoke about the kingdom. If it's divided, it falls. He talked about Satan's kingdom. Well, everything the opposite. Number three, worry, fear, and strife are the kingdom of darkness in the absence of God's kingdom. How can there be peace if that's not there? Bondage, inside and out, division, prejudice, strife. That's all, this is the absence of God's kingdom. See why we need it to come? Lack and anxiety, anger and bitterness, yada, yada, all this junk. You say, well, that's bad. That is the absence of God. That's the absence of God's kingdom. What do I mean you told to pray? come do your kingdom right here. Do it when? On the earth, the same way it's in heaven. Then was we should bring heaven down to earth with our prayers. And but said, well, I'd take some real praying. No, it wouldn't. It'd take faith praying. It'd just take believing what the man says. And uh, it just means the kingdom's not come yet. Now listen to me. This is what I'm fixing to say. Do not settle for anything less than everything Jesus died to give you. Do not settle for anything less than Jesus died to give you. Let me point you to one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And I could show you numerous verses like this. Have you ever heard of a man named Moses? Anybody heard of Moses? The guy who had the ark. How many of you know Moses was born with a destiny? 
Do you believe God birthed that man to be a deliverer and a conqueror? Do you believe he had a dream? Do you believe God created him to do something great? Can't you see through his miracle birth and, and the way he was protected and raised in Pharaoh's house? How many of you believe Moses had a destiny called by God to do something great in the earth? But he screwed it up, didn't he? He got in sin and he, he messed it up. He got out of God's will. And at 40 years old, he became a fugitive. And he ran and he messed up God's plan for his life. And the Bible said for 40 years of his life, he went down and he found a, a farmer, who, a shepherd, and he married his daughter. Her name was Zipporah. And he got a job tending sheep on his father-in-law's farm. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible is Exodus 2.21. It says this, and Moses was content to just live right there. God didn't raise that man up to just take care of a bunch of sheep. God raised that man up to do great things, but he was content with way less than what God raised him up to be. How many people live right there? Don't be content with anything less than Jesus died to give you. Your inheritance in Christ is the spirit of God resting on your life and making it wonderful. Do not settle for anything less. I've been in trouble all my life in the ministry and no few people said to me, can you just not be happy with what you got? Answers, no. I got a Holy Ghost discontentment in me. I cannot stand to see God's people beat up, suffering, dragging along, depressed, miserable, lonely. That is not what Jesus died to give people. There needs to be a holy discontentment in our souls that says, God's going to do better than this. God's going to do better than this in my family. I am not going to do like Moses and be content to dwell way down here when God wants me way up here. I'm just not going to do it. And we need to read, we need to see in God's word, this is normal right here. What the American church is doing today is like that Frankenstein. It's abnormal. This ain't right down here. I want to be where Jesus put me at. We all want everything Jesus died to give us. Do not be content with anything less. Let me tell you what we ought to do. Don't change your theology to adjust to your situation. Don't change God's word to suit what's going on. Change what's going on to line up with God's word. Let me teach you this in scripture. In Mark chapter nine, we'll just tell you what happened. There was a man who had a son that was demonized and he brought his son to the disciples and said, help the boy. So they prayed for him and it didn't help none. So you know what they did? They said, well, we, we've concluded that God doesn't want to help people anymore and you'll just have to live with it. That's exactly what they did. No, that's not what they did. They went to Jesus that night in the house and they said, that wasn't the kingdom. God doesn't want that boy to live like that. God wants that boy to be free. How come we couldn't do it? And Jesus showed them where they missed it and showed them how to get it done. It was, we need to be like that. When it's not like, when we're not experiencing what Jesus died to give, instead of saying, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, hell. Just thought I'd wake y'all up. Oh, well, nothing. Oh, well, comes from hell. I hell would love for you to just give up on what Jesus died to give you. We need to go to Jesus and say, you didn't die for it to be like this. Tell us how to get it. Tell us how to get it right. And we need to expect a whole lot more for him to do things in us. Lord, we, we prayed. You didn't do anything. We want to know how come. Show us how to get this right. Show us how to experience your goodness. And uh, this is the kingdom comes. All right, let me just quit. I'm going to wrap up here. So this is the promise of God for your life. Everything I've told you tonight is yours in Jesus. This is the kingdom come. But you need to know this, and we'll talk more about this later. All this comes, everything he does is based on the goodness of God. You don't earn it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. Everything is on the goodness of God. 
Everything comes because of his goodness. We need to memorize great scriptures like this. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender heart is over all his works. We need to know he does things because he is good, not because we're good. Religion has taught you if you'll be good enough, that's hogwash. God is good. Everything he, everything he does, he does because he's good. Listen to this. Show me where you had anything to do with this. The Lord bless you. Keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be good to you. Be gracious to you. Show you favor and give you peace. I don't see you doing anything in there except just saying, sock it to me. Amen. I receive the goodness of the Lord. Do you remember a parable in Luke chapter 15 about a prodigal son? What did that boy do to deserve the father's goodness? Not one thing. He just came. It's, it's the goodness of God. It's all based on his goodness. And number two, it's all by faith. It's all by faith. Everything we receive from him comes by faith. Salvation, the goodness of the Lord, everything. It is by faith that it might be of grace, the scripture says. And I'm going to say, I'm going to quote Mark 9, 23 till you see it in your sleep. If you can have faith, all things are possible to those who believe. If you can believe, it's possible. Every, everything your heart longs for, but here's the deal. It's all done by his spirit, not you. The kingdom of God is ministered by his spirit, not you. Dear ones, to love like Jesus loves, that's the fruit of the spirit, not you. To the joy of Jesus, that's not where you try to cheer people up and say, come on, y'all, put on a happy face. That's, that's human. It is the fruit of the spirit. It's God doing it inside of you. Oh, we've got to get away from, I'm doing this. Now you can expect heaven in this life. All right, let's look at the verse, Mark, Luke chapter 11. And then I, we got to go home and believe. Luke chapter, 12, Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12. All right, this is, Luke chapter 12 is a great passage. It's where he tells you, I decorate the flowers. I hold the world together. I can pay you a power bill. You don't need to worry about it. It's a wonderful promise. But I want you to look what the Bible said. Verse 31, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Listen to me. Go after the kingdom of God. Your bills will be paid. Everything will be taken care of. And here's that great verse, verse 32. Do not fear, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to... What's the word? I'll just, hand, I'll just give it to you. I'll just give you everything I've got. I'll give you the kingdom. And what does good pleasure mean? Nothing makes him happier than just giving you everything he's got. It, literally, it's God's delight. How many of you like give stuff to your kids? Well, some people don't. I love to give stuff to my kids. God's, God's big thing is to give stuff away. Guess why he loves a cheerful giver? Because he is one. That's his nature. He, he just loves to give people stuff. He loves to give forgiveness away. See, we're in the churches, we're stingy with it. Are you promised to do better? Promise to do better? I'll right, give you a little bit. I'm gonna watch you for a while. <laughs> Tight wad. God is generous. He just gives. He just loves to give. He gives his spirit freely to those who ask. It's all by faith, but he, he just loves to give. That's just, <clears throat> it's just his thing. I want you to see right here. God gets excited about giving you things. 
What do you think it means? Don't, listen, don't you ever be afraid that he's not excited to give you things. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He loves to give you his stuff. It's, just, it's what he enjoys doing. It's what he created. By the way, I didn't have my kids so they could work for me. I'm a bad businessman if I did that. I had my kids to love them and bless them. That's why he had his kids. This is called the kingdom. And I want you to expect it and, and to believe that it's his pleasure to give the kingdom. I'm gonna say it again. It can't be earned. Now listen to me carefully. Flesh can't make it happen. You can't bring peace to yourself. Not in these days. I mean, you can use medication or, you know, a drug or alcohol or, you know, mind control stuff. Why would you do that when God will just give it to you? You, you, you can't make your kids behave. You can't make yourself financially secure. He gives this stuff to his people. It's his pleasure to give things to his people. That's why he said in Zechariah, it's not by might or power, it's not by human ability, it's by my spirit. And he just, he just loves it. Listen, I want you to begin to expect God to do great things for you. I want you to, why did he say, seek ye first the kingdom of God? Expect me to do this stuff for you and go after it. Ask me, ask me for these things in life. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to uh, turn the page, turn one page here. I'm going to, I'm going to show you something here concerning you seeking this. Now, this is the, remember we read in Matthew six, where he said, pray, ask me to do my will in your life the same way it's being done in heaven. Is that not what he said in Matthew six? Let's read it again in in Luke 11. Verse two, when he said, when you pray, say our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is Luke 11, two. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Didn't he tell you that right there? All right, watch this with me. Verse nine, now this is Jesus talking. So I say to you, who is you? In verse nine, who's the you there? Is that you? I say to you, ask, it'll be given to you. You say, brother, what does that mean? Why do we have to make everything so complicated? What did Jesus say? If you ask me, I'll give it to you. If you seek, you'll find. What does knock mean? You go after it, you'll get it. And then here's why. Everybody that asks receives. Now here's the reason, verse 11. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Would you do that? My son's hungry, he's a little boy. Five, six years old, he says, daddy, I'm hungry. Do you think I'm gonna pour him a bowl of rocks and say, eat that? How stupid is that? Jesus is showing you how stupid this is. He said, that's stupid. He said, you would, would you do that? And then he said this, read the next one. He said, if he, if he asks for a fish, you gonna give him a snake? If your son asks for, can we stop at McDonald's, get a fish sandwich? Are you gonna hand him something that's gonna hurt him? How many of you would give your child something to hurt them if they ask you for something? How stupid is this? He said, if he asked you for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? You gonna hurt your children when they want stuff? You said, that's ridiculous. Verse 13, if you being evil, wait a minute, know how to give good gifts to your children. I am not evil. I am a good father. I've been good to my children. Ask them. I've been very good to my children. Why'd God call me evil right there? You got to understand the context in the original language. He's saying this, if you being evil compared to me. Now, I'm good to my children, but he's so much better to me. It makes what I do look evil. If you being evil, give good to your good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? All right, here's the message. God will give you his kingdom and give his spirit to work in your life quicker and you'll feed your children. Is that not what he said right there? Ask me. I'll work in your life. I'll send my spirit. I'll pour my love in your heart, bring my hope into your life. I'll begin to work in your life and in your home and in your community quicker and you'll feed your children. Is that not what it says right there? 
How many of you know we need to start believing again and start believing what the man says? I don't want to quit by showing you, I want to mess up, can I mess up your theology and just blow it all to pieces real quick before we quit? All right, if you're a theologian, you're fixing to get mad at me. Turn with me to Mark chapter one. And let me just wipe everything out you've been taught. Mark chapter one. You say, why did, you, you changed too much. We call it growing around here. I listen, you say, you've been doing this 40 years. You ought to have it figured out yet. I don't know one-tenth or 1% of who he is yet, but I'm still looking. He's that wonderful and big. But I'm gonna mess up your theology here. Have you ever heard the gospel? Anybody ever heard the gospel? We preach the gospel here. Tell me what the gospel is. No, don't, don't say it. I done, I done messed you up on that love thing already. But let me tell you, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for eternal life. Is that right? Read this right here. Mark chapter one, verse 15, verse 14. After John was put in prison, this is where Jesus starts his ministry. Jesus came to Galilee preaching the what? Was he preaching the gospel? He wasn't preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Guess why? He hadn't died and resurrected yet. He preached the gospel for three years. It was at the end of his ministry, he began suggesting, I'm gonna die, and his disciples fell apart. He never talked about his death during these days. He didn't talk about a resurrection here. He's preaching the gospel. What gospel? The gospel of the what? The kingdom of God. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. He said, God will come down to earth. He didn't say, believe and you'll, be, you'll go to heaven. He said, God will come down to earth and do things for you. He said, you need, do you need healing? God will come down here and do it for you. Do you, need to, do you need your life started over? God will come do it for you. And, and then he said in verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is where? You listen to me the love and joy and activity of God are as close to you as your hand right now. The kingdom is at hand. You know what that's called right there? I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom to you. The gospel of the kingdom, he said it's at, it's at hand. It's right there. <clears throat> it's at hand. Repent and do what? Expect God to do this in your life. What does believe mean? Start believing God will do this. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom on the earth. Not eternal life, although he did say, if you who believes in me shall never die. That's John chapter seven where he began to preach that. But his ministry was a gospel of the kingdom of God, God working in the earth, doing great things. And he said, it's available to you. I want you to start believing it. I want you to believe. And what did Jesus say to people over and over and over when they came to him? He said to him, do you believe I can do this? Do you believe? Over and over he said, do you believe? Was, Let's start believing God to do something big. Let's quit being content to dwell there and let's pray this prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth. Are you with me? Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you. We desperately need your kingdom in the earth right now. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. I give you all the praise and glory. Thank you that you died to open heaven's gates for us. Oh, what a day that'll be. And your word says our blessed hope is the day we see Jesus face to face. Lord Jesus, if, the second, if your second coming is our deliverance, we're in trouble. Your present kingdom is our longing right now. I pray for every person in this room. They'll hear your word. There's a kingdom. There's more than just hang on. There's a kingdom there. And your presence will come into every life in this room. And they'll know it. And your word said hope will never disappoint. Then I go live disappointed. Then I go struggle. I want people to believe that. I trust you for that. Thank you for your goodness and grace in our lives. And our simple prayer, Lord, for this 
this house and this city, not just help our church to hang on. What a pitiful way to live, Lord Jesus. Everything you died to give, transform people's lives. Change this city through this house. Make this the lighthouse in this city. And for every person in this room, let them experience you. Let them say that was him right there. That was the voice of God speaking to me right there. That's God working right there. I want people to see your mighty hand in this life. I don't want us to just hang on and do the best we can. I want people to see you work in their lives in this life. Thank you that that's your promise. I give you all the praise and glory. And we believe you for that. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.